0: They've gone through different stages uh, of that growth process and they are now coming into a stage of some pretty you know, handsome, good-looking people uh, and, and they're, they're now our teenage group. And, uh, and part of what I've enjoyed about watching them is them going from uh, very dependent on their parents and trying to be independent and their parents trying to corral them. Uh, we had a stage of corralling the mob, um, and, and then as they grew up and became more independent and more independent, and now if you look around in our ministries at Mossbrook Church, uh, you will notice that our ministries are polluted, and that's in a good way, um, with a whole lot of teenagers that are doing ministry. They're, they're doing all different forms of ministry within our church. And what that is, when you watch that happen, you realize that there's something called maturity that begins to take place, right? You go from very dependent, very you can't do anything on your own, you, you have to be fed, you got to be changed, you got to be looked after. Everything has to happen with the parents' help to a, a, a person or a group of people, in this case, who now have become uh, uh, parts of a community. Our community is Mossbrook Church, and they are... They are They are major parts of what's going on, and that maturity has happened. You've watched them grow. You've watched the skill level, and you've watched the energy, and you've watched the creativity, and you've watched some responsibility, and they own it, and it's theirs, and they're doing it. It's pretty cool to watch, right? If anybody else has watched that, it's an amazing thing to see. The book that we're in, we're in 2 Peter, and Pastor Mike referred to it last week As in 1 Peter. He was telling us about Peter and that's one of the things that I notice in the New Testament when you watch Peter's life. He goes from this disciple who begins to follow Jesus, who's super impetuous, who just jumps at everything, who puts his foot in his mouth a lot, who he's just, he's all in and everybody knows he's all in, to you come to the point where he's writing First and Second Peter and he's changed. He's still the same Peter, but there's a level of maturity that sets in. And there's this growth process in his life. And the more he's been with Jesus and the more he's walked with Jesus, the more changes happen to his personality and his person. That's what we sang about today, that when we run into Jesus and we allow Jesus to have control in our life, our lives change in dramatic ways. And if you've watched your own life as you've matured, I, I do this now, I've I've hit that wonderful age where you start looking back and you wonder how you got where you are in terms of age. I'm, I'm kind of in that same spot. And you look back and you look at your life and you look at what God's done in your life. And if you've been walking with God for very long, you see maturity happening. You see the word of God taking root in your heart and your life and changing you and making you and molding you. And you become more and more and more and more like the person of Jesus Christ. And that's really what happened in Peter's life. And he matured and he became more like Christ. And so in the whole story today, we're at 2 Peter. And if you read the book of 2 Peter, the three chapters of the book of 2 Peter, you'll notice this, that the word know or knowledge shows up a lot. Actually, it shows up 13 times within the book. And that word, know or knowledge within the book of 2 Peter, it's not an intellectual word. That's not the word that's being used there. It's not to know a truth to recite the truth. That's not it. It's not like knowing the Apostles' Creed and I can recite it back and forth. That's not it. It's not like a list of things that I need to know in order to pass a test. And so I crammed those things into my brain so that I would know them well enough so I could get the grade and then, well, whatever happens, happens after that, right? That's not the word. It's not an intellectual ascent. It's not memorizing it's not knowing those truths so that I can recite them the word there it's an interesting word because what he's saying is this it's an intimate relationship with it's the same word that you find in the book of John in John chapter 17 when Jesus he says it this way and this is the way to have eternal life to know you the only true God And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to this earth. And the idea when he says that, when he's this is going into Jesus' prayer, the idea that he gives in that chapter is this. It's a knowledge of who the person is, and it's a relational knowledge. It's not that I can quote a whole bunch of facts about the person of God. It's a relational knowledge of who God is. And we're on a first-name basis, God and I, and we talk. I don't just pray and ask God for things. We actually have a conversation where God speaks to me, either through His Word or by His Spirit, and I listen to what God says to me, and I speak back to God, and we have a two-way conversation about life. That's what he's talking about, about knowing or having the knowledge of God. And so when we look at the book of 2 Peter, there's two thoughts that I want you to walk away with. One is to know Christ, to know, not intellectually, not in a sense that he's God, I don't, not, not theological characteristics of God. That's not what I'm after. I'm after to know, to have a relationship, a two-way street, a conversation with God, to know Christ. That's the first thought I want you to get. And the second thought that Peter gives, that's pretty way all the way through this book, it's a warning. He shouts out a warning all the way through this little book. And so he has two things that are going on, two thoughts that are going on. One is, and they're tied together by the way, one is, know Christ, know Christ. Have a relationship with Christ, know Him. And the other is, warning, warning, you're going to be deceived, warning, warning. And he's flashing these warning lights. And we're going to talk about what those warning lights are. And so in the next few moments, I want to talk to you about those two thoughts. And they're interlocked. Because if you know Christ, the warning is simple. The warning is simple. But if you really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if Christ really isn't residing within you, if He doesn't make His home in you, if you have not come to the place where you have an intimate relationship with Christ, then you will miss the warning signs. And if it were a warning sign on the edge of a cliff, over you go. So first to know Christ. Remember, it's not to know about him, right? That's not what we're talking about. It's to have a relationship with him. That's what we're going to talk about. To know Christ. Let me read a couple verses. 2nd Peter chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 1 to 9. Now, we are only about 6 minutes in. I did the introduction, and these chairs are really comfortable. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching over there too, and I'm just concerned. Mike and I've had this conversation that this is going to be really difficult. And I'm going to try not to name names, okay? Um, during, but, but just read along. Do whatever you have. If you have to pinch yourself once in a while, nudge each whatever it is, don't lose it. Don't fall asleep, okay? Here we go. 2 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 1-9. Here it is. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received faith equal to ours through the righteousness of of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us, catch this phrase right in here because we're going to come back to it, has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge, there it is, of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. By these He has given us "...every great and precious promise, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason," here it goes again, "...make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, Godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Notice at the very beginning of this who Paul is talking to. Can you tell me? Who's Paul? I mean Paul. Peter. Who's Peter talking? Paul does a lot, but this is Peter. Who's Peter talking to at the very beginning of this passage? Who did he say? Anybody know? Those who are saved. Those who are believers in Jesus Christ. He's not talking to those who may come to faith. He's talking to those who already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important that we know that because if we don't understand that, then what we begin to think is this, that I can be a good enough pe- person to be accepted, to be accepted before God. And that's not what, if you look at the list that comes up in verses 7, 8, and 9, if you look at that list, you would think, wow, if I can do this good enough, then God's going to look at me and say, woo, you're in. And that's not what he's saying at all. He starts this out by reminding us from the very beginning, look, these are people who have understood what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross to pay the price for their sin and they have accepted that gift of forgiveness from Jesus Christ and because they have accepted it, they are in a different position before God. They belong in the family. They are family members. And so he's talking first and foremost to believers in Jesus Christ and that makes everything else that he says make sense. He tells them from the very beginning his desire for them when he starts this letter. He says this, that you may grow in your knowledge, and remember that word there is not a what? That word knowledge is not an intellectual word, right? Say it with me because I think you're falling asleep. It is not a intellectual word, it is not assent, it is not saying I know these truths about God. It is a relational word. And so his desire from the very beginning of this book is this, that you would have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would come to know him. Let me ask you something, believer. Remember, he's talking to believers, so I'm going to talk to believers for a minute. Has your relationship with Jesus Christ gotten tighter and tighter, and tighter? Do you know Jesus? Or did you come to the saving faith in Jesus Christ and you're using him as a fire escape? And that's as far as it's gone. Peter's desire here is that you would know Christ. Christ know him, relationally know him. What I find so interesting about this first chapter of the book of Second Peter is this that not only does he tell these people or the, the, the readers us, his desire is that you would know Christ, but he doesn't take for granted the fact that there's something that is on our shoulders in knowing Christ. In other words, he doesn't just go, look, Jesus did everything on the cross for you. He paid the price for your sin, which he did. But he doesn't just leave it there. He says there's more to this relationship than just being forgiven of your sin. God has so much more for you. And that's what the next part of this verse tells us. He says this, that by God's divine power, he has given us everything. I want you to say the word with me. He has given us what? Everything Everything that we need to live a godly life. We're going to go back. He has given us what? Okay. Here's why I have you say that is because I hear people all the time who look at me and say, I can't do that because I don't have fill in the blank. I don't have enough of this. My personality is made like this, not this. I didn't have this opportunity. We live in a society where it's always somebody else's fault why I am where I am. It's not mine. And it creeps into Christians' hearts and lives. And this verse tells me, by God's divine sovereignty, by God's divine power, by God's divine oversight, by by God creating us, by God giving us His Son, Jesus Christ, He has given us what? Hey, you over next door, what? what has he given us i need mouse to move i need somebody wave are you with me okay he's given us everything that we need that's the promise that he's given us he said look i have given you everything that you need now i need you to catch this next line for living a godly life whoa I live in a world that's crooked and perverse. I live in a world that's full of temptation. I live in a world that has addictions. I live in a world where the people I work with don't love God. I live in a world where there's stuff coming at me all the time that would take me away from God. And Peter says, no, I have given you everything you need to live a godly life. There is no excuse. Hold it. That's not culturally correct. What do you mean? I'm responsible? Yeah, yeah, we are. We're responsible. Everything that we need to live a godly life is at your disposal. Think of this, people. The very Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the Spirit who lives in you. The same power, that's what Scripture tells us, the same power, the same ability that made took Christ from a grave where he paid the price from the sin and brought him back to life is the power that lives in you. And yet we as believers go, I can't do it. Everything you need is at your disposal everything that you need. The moment that you started a relationship with Jesus Christ, He gave you His Spirit to indwell you, to seal you, to keep you, to provide you with the power of God. The Spirit leads us into the promises of God and conforms us into the image of God and He will keep us from living like this world. He will keep us from being sucked back into our own self if we will yield to His will will, and His desire. Here's our problem. We're too independent. And we want to do it our way. And this passage of Scripture says, not only have I given you everything you need, but every bit of it is at your disposal. It is all at your fingertips. You have it. It's yours. The thought that came to my mind when I was thinking about that little phrase was this, you imagine being in a family, a family of billionaires. You're a billionaire, okay? And within that family, that estate is all at your disposal. Within the family, you have decided how to live life together within that family. And you have set up some parameters for your family to live. And the only thing is, all of that billion dollars is at your disposal if you live, live within the estate plan that has been set up. If you don't, you don't get any of it. That's, that's the picture here. There is an estate plan that God set up, and at your disposal is the power of a building. Well, it's more than that, okay? That's just where our brain goes, okay? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that is at your disposal. But it is within a framework that God set up. And it works within God's framework. And here's our problem. If that were our estate, there may be something that I want to do or I don't want to do. But it takes effort. It takes, it takes work on my part to use that money in an appropriate way. But it is at my disposal. I can use it if I use it within the parameters of the estate. But I have to work within that framework. The same is true with what God has done for us. God looks at it and He says, look, I have a framework for you to live life within. I have a way that I want you to live out life. And if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to yield to me and live the way that I have set up for you, then all of this is at your disposal. And so often what happens with us is we look at God and we say, yeah, but I want to do it my way. And so we lose that power. We lose all the promise that God has given us. Because we look at God and go, no, I don't like your framework. (laughs) I don't like the way you set it up. I want to do it my way. So he gives us some thoughts about this and he tells us how to do this. He says this, if you look at this page, here's one of the tips that he gives us. He says this, make every effort. Now, does that mean that if I work then then all of a sudden I become the good person that I want to be. Is that what he's saying there? No, what he's saying is, he's saying, look, I have given you everything that you need. It is all at your fingertips. The effort for you is to get in it. That's the effort. That's the only effort he's saying. He's saying, look, it's all available. Just do something with it. Can I say that again? It's all available, just... Do something with it. Here's the problem, folks. We have available to us the Word of God, the principles of the truths of the Word of God, in more forms and fashions than any people have ever had. And yet, we're more powerless. Why? I'm going to give you a dirty word this morning. My pastor used to give me this dirty word when I was a kid. So it's okay because it's coming from a pastor. All right? You ready for this? Ready for this word? It's called work. Ready? I'm going to say it again. I know this is a church. It's called work. Now I'm going to have you say it with me so we're all in the doghouse together. Here we go. You ready? One, two, three work what he's talking about here folks is this to have a relationship a two-way relationship that's intimate it requires work you want a marriage that's going to work couples you want a marriage that's going to be great you want a relationship with your wife that's something that matters and you really care about guess what it takes work it takes effort And so Peter looks at these these believers in Jesus Christ and he says, look, I want you to put in every bit of work. Let me tell you something about work. I know a little bit about work. I've done some. And what I've learned about work is a couple of things. One, it's uncomfortable. It's tiring. Often it's not something I like. Finishing a job is a lot harder than starting it. Finishing a job well is really difficult. And all of those things come into play when we're talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And all of those things come into play when we're talking about a relationship with a spouse or a child. It's work. It's tiring. It's not easy. It's hard to finish well. And Peter looks at everybody and he says, look, put the effort in. Be willing to put the effort in. Guys, what amazes me is as I look again around and I look at my own life, this is not pointing fingers, but I look at my own life, and I, again, I love to watch people. As I see people complain about the outcome of their work, and then when you watch their work, they spend more time on their hobbies and their fun than they do in the things that actually matter. But they expect the outcome to be great of the things that matter. It doesn't work like that. The hobbies and the fun come on the far side. The work comes on the front side. The responsibility of my relationship with Christ is the exact same way. It comes on the front side. If I want a great relationship with Jesus Christ, then I best put the time in on the front side. And I better be in the Word of God on a regular basis, and I better be listening to the Spirit of God, and I better be on my face before God and asking God to reveal the truth about my own heart and my own nature so that God can speak to me and God can work in my own heart. Peter looks at this group of people and he says, look, put in the effort. Work. It's not working to be saved. It's working to grow the relationship. And then he says this after that. He says, put in the effort to respond. If you look at that word, the wording there, what he's saying is this, that the effort, the work, is so that my heart would be in the place that I could respond to Christ. It's not to work so that I become great. It's to work so that my heart is moldable and yielded to the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can, can mold my life. It's so that I could respond to Him. That's where the effort comes I don't know about you, but I'm stubborn. I have a hard time to yield. And it takes effort for me to come before God and go, God, I'm selfish and I'm proud and I need your spirit to change me. That takes work. And the work is to get to the place where I can respond to the spirit of God. I can say yes to him. Are you there? Notice that for the characteristics that he lists in this passage to work out in my life, I have got to yield to Christ so that Christ can work in me. That's what has to happen. He lists a whole bunch of traits, and I'm not going to go through them all. He says, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, be patient, patiently endure, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for everyone. And those are all great traits. But the only way those traits work out in me is if I become more like Christ. Those are traits of the person of, of Christ. And so if I work to respond and yield to Christ, then the characteristics of Jesus Christ can be evident in my life. Let me ask you, believer, are these characteristics evident in your life? Is that how your friends and your family and your kids would describe you? Because Jesus Christ is making those things real in your life. And he ends that little passage by saying this, If you will do this, If you'll come to know Christ, you'll be productive and you'll be fruitful. You'll be useful. If you'll do that, then for the kingdom of God and for the glory of God, you'll produce much fruit. That's what the rest of Scripture tells us. If I have a relationship with Christ and I give myself wholly over to the Spirit of God, then he'll produce much fruit. You'll be useful. But if you don't, he has the flip side. You'll be blind and short-sighted. And if you're blind and short-sighted, guess what you're going to do? You're going to stumble through life. You're going to trip and you're going to fall. And out of that comes a warning. Let me give you the warning that he gives. He finishes this up by saying, warning, warning, if you're not putting the effort in and if you're not paying attention to this person of God and the spirit of God, here's the warning, 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, 19-22. There were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master, Jesus Christ, who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves, and they will promise freedom. But they themselves are slaves to corruption." Since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them, for if, having escaped the world's impurities through the knowledge, this is intellectual knowledge, of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. The last state is worse for them than the first, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, a beautiful picture, and a washed sow returns to the wallow in the mud. What he's saying here is this. Warning, warning there are people who are going to teach a different gospel. There are are people who are going to teach an easy way to walk through life. There are people who are going to teach, look, if you just say yes to Jesus, everything's roses, no work, no effort, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to yield to the Spirit of God, you can do it your own way. And he says they're liars and they're not free. Freedom only comes from yielding to Jesus Christ and to the Spirit of God and saying yes to the truth of who he is and what he says for life. And these people will come and they will suck you away if you're not listening and knowing, relationally knowing, God. Warning! Do you think it's happening in our day and age? You want to believe it. There are so many Gospels being taught about the Word of God that are not the Word of God. They're a piece of the Word of God. They're a thought from the Word of God. But they are not the Word of God. And people are sucking them in left and right. And Why? Because they've been deceived. And their relationship is not with God. Warning. No Christ. It's the same thing that bankers do with money, right? If you know the real thing... You don't have to worry about the counterfeit. Same is true with your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you know the real thing, if you have a relationship and you know God and you and the spirit of God has an ability to touch your heart and life, then you'll know what is fake. Warning, pay attention. There's those out there who would pull you away. They claim to offer freedom, but what they're really doing is enslaving you even even more. The promise of freedom is whatever makes you feel good, that's got to be right. And we've become in bondage to addiction and enslaved to our own selfish desires. And instead of the freedom of God, we live under guilt and hopelessness. Jesus said it this way in Matthew. He was talking about this very same thing where people offer freedom and they offer forgiveness, but what really happens is it becomes worse. If you remember the story... He says, when an unclean spirit comes out of a person, this was, in the. he was telling the story in Matthew, he said, and it roams throughout the waterless places looking for rest, but it doesn't find any. Then it says, I'll go back to my house, the place that I just was, where I came from. And returning, it finds the house vacant, swept out and put in order. And then it goes and it brings seven other spirits and more, more evil than itself. And they enter and they settle down there. And as a result, the person's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will be with those in this evil generation. What he's saying is this. Look, those who offer you freedom that's not really freedom from, from God, those who say, look, pick up your bootstraps, work hard, you can get this figured out, and you work hard to clean your life up, but you left an empty spot for something even worse to come in. And instead of opening your heart up and filling it with the Spirit of God, guess what happens? When your heart and your house is full of the Spirit of God, nothing else can get in. Nothing else can fill that house. The Spirit of God and only the Spirit of God will reside there. Hey, how's your house? Who's living in it? Who has control of your house? Let me conclude with this. Therefore, dear brothers, since you know this in advance, since you have come to a place with a relationship of Jesus Christ, catch this, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall into your own unstable position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. He says, look, in light of what you already know, in light of a relationship with Jesus Christ, in light of, a, of knowing Christ intimately, put your guard up. Pay attention. Watch what's going on around you. Give your heart completely to Jesus Christ and be on alert. When I was thinking about that last word, put up your guard or guard. I thought about a friend of mine. I've known this person for about 30 years, maybe a little more. I met him before I first came down here. And this person, I'm not going to say any names, but he's a redhead, and he loves to hide on people it was his nature that if you were going somewhere and it was dark he may be hiding under your vehicle it's very possible or if it was going into a house or something and you weren't paying attention but he saw you coming he may hide and grab you in the and so very early in our relationship i put my guard up and i learned a few things one you'll always lock your vehicle when you pull into his yard There there are just things that you learn. You pay attention to when the door opens. Look what's behind it. There there are things. Don't go into a dark. Turn the light on. I mean, there's just stuff that you learn. It's putting up your guard. It's being aware. Being attentive. That's the thought that Peter is writing here. He says this. Look, you know this is coming. It's not like it's never going to happen. You know He's going to do this at some point. He's going to try to scare you. You know that Satan is going to use something to pull you away from the faith. And so the idea is, you know it's going to happen, so be ready. That's the thought. Believer, it's not a question of if. It's not a question of, Maybe sometime somebody will do something that's going to try to pull me away from my faith. No, you have an adversary, Satan, who's at work. And he's going to try to pull you away from your faith. Because if he pulls you away, he doesn't, he doesn't get you. You don't lose your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. But if he pulls you away, he knows that he can affect somebody else's life down the line. So be on your guard. Be on your guard. Know Christ. Put the defenses up. Be prepared. We're going to close with a song this morning. It says, we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. But one of the lines in this song says this, let our faith be more than anthems. You know, it's great for us to stand together and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that this is true. But this song has it right. It says, it's not just an anthem of what I believe. It's what I walk out in my daily life. It's how I've guarded my heart and my life. It's the relationship, the knowing Jesus Christ relationally, not intellectually. Is your faith just an anthem? Or is your faith something that is so real and so intimate that the folks around you go, that's a relationship? That's changing who they are because they're in relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe? But do you know? Do you know Him? Father, grant us the courage as we sing this song to sing something that's true. It's a relationship that I have with you, and your spirit has complete control. My guard's up, I'm aware, I'm watching, and I'm allowing the Spirit of God. And the person of Jesus Christ to be revealed and renewed in me each and every day. Oh God, make that true of us as Christ followers today.